chapter 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and 1 Peter chapter 5. We always like to read diversity of Scripture so that we're exposed to as much as possible. And we know even if the, even if the sermon is not very good, the Scripture is always good. So there's always something to learn there. So in Luke chapter 22, uh, we just get a snippet of this great, uh, uh, well, not, not so great, I guess, uh, experience of, that Peter went through uh, on the night uh, that Jesus was betrayed, just before he was crucified. Luke 22, verse 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, Jesus says, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And then over to 2 Corinthians. Uh, in this passage, uh, in 1 Corinthians, there was somebody in open sin uh, in the church in Corinth. And Peter, uh, excuse me, Paul said, you got to deal with this guy, hand him over to Satan. Uh, the guy repents, but people aren't sure what to do. And this is Peter, uh, Paul's encouragement to them. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. And then in Peter, 1 Peter, Chapter 5, starting with verse 6. Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion 
forever and ever. Amen. 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 Now, you've all heard of mad cow disease, I'm assuming, because it was such a very, very big issue here in the UK and still circulates around from time to time. But you probably do not know that there is a sheep version of mad cow disease. It's not mad cow disease. It's something peculiar to sheep. It's called scrapey. Scrapey. Or it might be scrappy, but I think scrapey uh, sounds a bit like that because the sheep tend to scrape off their skin uh, when they have scrapey. Uh, it's, it's really, really an upsetting disease. If you see sheep that have scrapey, uh, it's difficult for your heart, your spirit, not to be moved by seeing these sheep. Uh, and this disease affects the brains of sheep. It begins with mild changes in their behavior uh, and then progresses to a loss of some of their bodily control, but will ultimately lead to weight loss, anorexia, lethargy, and finally death. And scrapie in sheep has no cure. Has no cure, so if they get it, they will eventually die from it. Uh, and when I discovered this, I, I, I thought it was very poignant. And many times in the natural world around us, there are things in the spiritual world that kind of mirrors that. And, you know, we're all sheep of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. If we follow Jesus, uh, we are the sheep of his pasture, as the Bible tells us. And I think that there is a Christian version of scrapey as the sheep of Jesus Christ. I have seen scrapey in Christians, a Christian version of it, in action in my life, and it is heartbreaking. And I've seen it time after time after time. And effectively, Christian scrapey is losing the battle for our minds and how then losing this battle not only affects us, but it also affects people around us. You know, as I said last week, over the last 30 years of ministry, I cannot tell you the number of Christians that I have seen who have fallen away from the faith. Now, some of them were restored, some of them were redeemed, some of them lost decades, some only lost years. Uh, but I have seen this happen to Christians who lose the battle for their minds. It is the spiritual battle that we face as Christians in the world today. It's the primary spiritual battle that we all face and that we all will continually face. There won't be a time this side of heaven where the battle for your mind will be completely finished. And so we must remain vigilant. Otherwise, we will come down with scrapey. Now, what are the signs of scrapey? How do you know if you're starting to get scrapey? It begins with slight behavioral changes in the Christian. They start to maybe reduce their commitments. They have a bit of a change in attitude. Uh, they start to withdraw a little bit. And then you'll notice in Christians that have the Christian version of scrapey that they start chewing things over a bit too much. They start dwelling on things that are negative. 
They dwell on what's not working. Uh, they have doubts. I mean, we all have doubts from time to time, but they tend to chew over those doubts and keep mulling them. Uh, and, and they tend to focus on other people and what other people are doing more than what's going on in their own lives. And then that begins to progress to a bit of a loss of self-control regarding their engagement with the body of Christ. You know, maybe they've been coming week after week and, you know, four times a week, and then suddenly they're, they're coming once a month. And, and, and they just can't seem to bring themselves to, to keep going in their, their engagement. Then they start to fall into what uh, a, a friend of mine used to call stinking thinking. Poor patterns of thought. Oh, I'm no good. I, I, don't, I can't keep this up. This is not worthwhile. Uh, this Christian stuff, I, I'm not getting any benefits with it. Uh, and then after a while, they struggle to keep up with the rest of the church. So they start to fall behind. They don't pay as much attention to what's going on anymore. And those are some of the initial signs. When Scrapey begins to be advanced in Christians, uh, the, the signs kind of mirror uh, a little bit of what happens in the sheep. There's what I'd call a, a weight loss, uh, where people start to lose their sense of confidence and their conviction about the things of God. That starts to, they start to deteriorate a little bit. Uh, they then have kind of a spiritual anorexia. They lose their appetite for the things of God. They're not so much interested in the Bible or worship or prayer or especially fellowship with other Christians. Then there's a bit of a lethargy that begins to set in. They have a loss of energy and enthusiasm both for God and for God's people. And then uh, there's a bit of a hardening that occurs because they become impervious to reason or encouragement. And this is a really dangerous sign. I can tell you this, as far as I know, 100% of the people who have lost the battle for their mind have received intensive encouragement from Christians to keep going, and they refuse to listen, they refuse to be open to reason, they think they're doing the right thing, but they're not. Every single case that I've seen has had people encourage them and say, no, what's happening is not right. You need to make a change. You need to do something different. But there's a hardening that comes in. And then people begin to act in ways that are spiritually self-harmful. They don't necessarily start to cut themselves in a, in a literal sense. Uh, but they start acting in ways that harm themselves as a person and also harm their relationships. They start to withdraw from the relationships. They start to ghost other people. They, 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 they start to uh, act in ways that are unpleasant and hard to get along with. They lose their sense of grace. And finally, there's a spiritual death that occurs, not the loss of salvation, but a walking away from Christian relationships and their faith so that their faith no longer has a vitality in their lives and no longer causes them to move forward and grow and have victory and triumph in their day-to-day -day living, let alone in that battle for their minds. 
Christian scrapie is a horrible thing to witness, yet all of us here have seen it. Right now, as I've described that, I am confident that there are people in your mind who you said, oh, that's what happened to so-and-so. And I hope that if you've seen these symptoms in yourself, you will get help now. Because if you don't, the consequences never are good. Never good consequences. There are so many examples that I could give about Christian scraping. By the way, when I give examples, don't think you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Any example I ever give is so convoluted, I change the story, the details of the story so much, you can't figure out who the person is. So if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. Uh, And if you think I'm talking about the person sitting next to you or somebody else you know, uh, you're not going to figure out the person, okay? But there's so many examples that I've seen. Uh, I remember one woman whom I spent a lot of time encouraging and, uh, and coaching, uh, really committed to help her in her sense of calling, uh, to, to develop that calling. And then suddenly she just walked away from the church. After the church had done so much for her, she just walked away saying that people didn't really care about her. Yet people were showing care all the time. And by the way, she never reached out to others to try to care for them. I remember another guy that I had spent hours with a long time ago. I spent uh, hours with him, uh, coaching him, encouraging him, because the Lord was clearly with him. I mean, he had gifts and calling and anointing on his life, and it, it was such an exciting thing to see. But the guy was walking in pride. He wasn't dealing with the battle for his mind and, con- and, and, and he continually blamed others for his lack of progress with the Lord or, or for problems that he'd have in his work life. He was blaming other people uh, for the failure to experience the things of God in his life. But because of this, he couldn't see the things operating in his own mind were the things that were hindering him. I know of one guy who literally divided a church because he felt like the Lord spoke something into his mind which was clearly not biblical. It was clearly from a demon, but he decided to act on that even though he could read in the Bible where what he was doing is wrong and even though he had several friends around him saying that what he was doing was wrong. He failed to listen and harm the church completely. I remember another person who criticized how somebody had left the church. Somebody had left their church uh, in a very poor way, uh, kind of ghosting relationships and everything like that. And this woman was just astounded by that, uh, openly critical of what they had done, how they had behaved. And then a short time later, she ended up leaving the church in exactly the same way. Even though she was surrounded by people who loved her and who cared for her. I could go on. I remember another woman who just walked out of her marriage. Saying, ah, I, just don't, I just don't feel love for my husband anymore. 
And of course, you know, that's not a good way to go. And any Christian woman knows that that's not a good way to go. So she started to make up in her mind things that her husband was doing and ways that he wasn't serving her or pleasing her, even though they weren't true. She was making them up, forcing them to fit, and used that as her justification to walk out of her marriage. I mean, these are all examples of Christian scraping. But thankfully, unlike the sheep version of scrapey, Christian scrapey has a cure. We can win the battle for our minds. We do not need to let the battle for our minds get so far gone that we are going to lose and fall into these well-worn patterns. This is the preeminent battle, spiritual battle that you are facing. It's not about principalities and powers over London, although we wrestle with principalities and powers. We have victory in Christ because we are seated in Christ far above all these principalities and powers. We have the ability to win because Jesus Christ has died for us on the cross. He set us free from sin, death, and hell. We can live a victorious life, particularly having victory in the battle for our minds. But that battle for our minds is an ongoing battle. It's a battle that never fully stops as long as we're alive. But so many Christians don't win it. And they suffer needlessly. Even Peter faced a battle for his mind. We saw last week Jesus faced a battle for his mind. Peter faced a battle for his mind. Notice what Jesus said here. He said, Peter, Satan's demanded to sift you like wheat. Now, how is Satan going to do this? He's not going to do it at that stage by crucifying Peter. Peter gets crucified later, but that's not what he's doing. This is not, you know, a demon manifesting to Peter. This is a battle going on in Peter's mind. And notice that Peter loses the initial battle, but Jesus said, Peter, I prayed for you. And then he said, Peter, when, you've, when you're restored, encourage your brothers. You know what? There are times when we all might lose a skirmish in the battle for our minds. But if we will persevere, we will win. And once we've won, we can encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I'm not speaking as somebody who's lived a life of all just happy thoughts. You know, I don't wake up in the morning saying, oh, I'm so happy. You know, I didn't wake up this morning saying, oh, yippee, I get to get up at 5.30 to get ready to go to church today. You know, I, I woke up this morning saying, oh, God, can I, can I sleep in a little bit, please? They don't really need me. You know, that, all those kinds of things. I'm dealing with that every single day. Hardly a week goes by when I don't want to quit. And it's just real. It's real for all of us. But we can have the victory. And Jesus is praying for every single one of us. And Jesus never leaves us alone in the battle. So how are you going to win this battle for your mind? It's how I win the battle for my mind. So everything I'm telling you, I do. Uh, and I can tell you it works by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, to win the battle for our minds, we must know 
our objectives. No, feelings of uninterrupted blissful happiness is not your objective in the battle for your mind. It's not. Now, those are good, but nobody is going to have feelings of uninterrupted blissful happiness this side of heaven. You know, once we see Jesus and we're in his presence, maybe that's what we're going to feel. But right now, we don't. So what are our objectives? Objective number one is to stand. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us that when we're struggling against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil uh, in the heavenly places, after we've done everything, we need to stand. You need to stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to stand with who you are in Jesus Christ. You stand, and if you're standing on Jesus, with the battle for your mind, Satan cannot move you. Second objective is to persevere, to keep on keeping on. Your life isn't over until it's over. There's no battle that you've lost until you're dead. So you keep going. You keep going. That's the second thing, persevering in faithfulness. A third objective in the battle for our minds, Peter expresses it there, we have to be sober-minded and watchful. Satan is looking for every opportunity he has to initiate a battle for your mind. And so if you're walking along the street tomorrow and and you're married and all of a sudden this, this thought comes into your mind, you know, my wife's an idiot. And it sounds, you know, sounds like it's you, right? And it's based on something your wife has done that you perceive that she has done. You know, so, yeah, my wife's an idiot. That's stage one, the battle for your mind. You can either choose to continue to walk in that, or you can choose to say, whoa, Satan. (laughs) Dude, you're not going to pull one over me because I'm sober-minded and I'm watchful, and I know that comes from the pit of hell. So I reject that, I renounce that thought in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of my mind. you got to be sober-minded and watchful. Be aware of Satan's plans and especially understand that Satan will tailor-make the battle for you. Your battle is not going to be like my battle. Satan knows exactly what you are, how you are, And so he's going to take the battle and make it a battle that he thinks he can win. So you got to keep alert. And the the last objective here, you could probably list a lot of others, uh, but I didn't want to go that long today. Uh, The objective is to follow Jesus as we strengthen one another. Just like with Peter. We follow Jesus, but we want to strengthen one another. Because I tell you, one of the best things in the battle for our minds is to be standing with brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Satan, who prowls around like a roaring lion, you know what lions want to do? They want to separate their prey from the herd. If you get separate from the herd, you're fresh meat for the devil. And you need to understand that. So we want to follow Jesus as we strengthen one another without becoming deceived. And the best way to stay undeceived is to stay with people. Our own minds can deceive us, 
But when we're walking with other brothers and sisters in Christ and we say, listen, I had this thought come into my mind and they say, get behind me, Satan. Cast that thought out. Then you know, that's probably the devil and I need to deal with it. So those are our objectives. Those are our objectives. And second, to win the battle for our minds, we must deal with the debilitating sins. The sins that will weaken us and undermine us and always point us toward failure in the battle for our minds. There are certain sins that to a Christian are like kryptonite to Superman. And we need to deal with these sins in our lives ruthlessly. Number one sin is pride. Almost everyone that loses the battle for their minds has an issue with pride. And the thing is that God opposes the proud. And Satan will always use pride as a main entry point in your life. So do what Peter says, humble yourself. But you gotta, you got to weed out pride in your life. There is no sin that I fear more than the sin of pride. Because it's the only sin that makes God opposed to me as well as the devil. And God's opposed, me, opposed to me because in the sin of pride, I'm kind of playing God for my own life or for other people. Second sin is unresolved anxiety. Understand, anxiety itself is not a sin. If I told you all right now that uh, at the end of this sermon there was going to be a, an exam, a written exam, uh, that I'm giving you four hours for it, uh, that you have to recapture everything in the sermon, give me 72 ways to improve the sermon, and by the way, uh, if you fail the exam, you're going to burn in hell. Uh, I guarantee you, if that was an honest thing, which is not, of course you know that, you would feel anxiety. You know, that's a normal feeling. But when we feel anxiety, it should in, in, inspire us or encourage us to deal with it, to seek to resolve it, not allow anxiety to run rampant in our minds. That's one of the uh, biggest things that will weaken us as Christians, anxiety. Because you have anxiety in your mind and you're holding on to it, it distorts everything in your life. So if you're feeling anxious, you don't see things as they really are. You're not seeing reality. You're not seeing the truth by the very fact that you're holding on to anxiety. So you need to resolve that anxiety. A third sin that is really debilitating for us is choosing to take offense. Choosing to take offense. And we say this a lot of times, nobody can give you offense unless you choose to take offense. I've had people in my life who've really tried hard. Uh, and there's been a couple of times where I've been close to, you know, just wanting to take offense because, you know, I thought, well, if I take offense, that, you know, gives me permission to slug the person or something. You know, but I have to say, no, I'm not going to take that. You can try to give me as much offense as you want to give me. You can say, hey, fat boy, uh, that was the worst sermon I ever heard in my life. You can give me whatever offense you want. I'm not going to take it from you. And if we choose to take offense, we're acting in sin. So don't do it. Don't do it. Because if you choose to take offense, you will lose the battle for your mind. A fourth big sin is unforgiveness. 
Unforgiveness. And if it goes to bitterness, that is completely debilitating. You might as well be taking poison if you allow unforgiveness to go on in your life. And the way you, you, to forgive, it's a choice. It's not something you feel like doing. You say, Lord, I choose to forgive this person for what they did to me, which made me feel this way, and I ask you to bless them and heal me. Uh, and remember, forgiveness is about pain. It's not just about wrongdoing. So if somebody causes you pain, you still need to forgive them, even if they didn't do anything wrong. You know, I, I, I encourage our elders to correct me if they see something wrong in me. Uh, and most of them have at some point in time. Uh, I'm still waiting on one. You know, I, I've got to, you know, work on him a little bit to do that. But, uh, uh, and, and let me tell you, when they correct me, it doesn't feel good. There's no time when I say, well, hallelujah, boy, that, that just hurts so good. Please hurt me more. You know, but every single time, they do it rightly, and I forgive them for the pain because I know the pain produces righteousness in me. You got that? So unforgiveness is terrible. And the, the fifth sin is isolating yourself. Now there's a difference between taking a retreat and isolating yourself. You now we all need to get away from time to time. We all need to take a retreat. That's okay. We all need to take a holiday. But isolating yourself is where you start ghosting people. You start stepping back from relationships. You don't respond to texts. You don't respond to emails. You don't respond to phone calls. But, but you just kind of hang back more and more and more. And self-isolation is sinful. It's sinful. It's actually a function of pride, but uh, it works that way. So these five sins you have to deal with ruthlessly in your life because to the degree that you're walking in any of them or all of them, to that degree, you are undermining your victory in the battle for your mind. 100%. And thanks be to God. We can deal with those sins. You deal with them by confessing, saying, God, I agree with you, I've been proud. Then you renounce it, you turn away from it. And then you replace it with godly behavior. So if it's pride, you say, Lord, I confess, I see pride in my life. I choose to renounce that pride, and I'm choosing to be humble before you and before others. And that's what repentance is all about. And repentance always works because Jesus died on the cross for us. He's paid the price for our sin. And when we repent, we're applying the cross to that point in our lives. So we've got to know our objectives. We've got to deal with these debilitating sins. And third, we must submit to God and resist the devil being firm in our faith. Submit to God and resist the devil being firm in our faith. Now, how do we do this? I want to give you seven quick strategies on how to submit to God, resist the devil, and be firm in your faith. Number one, you must remember and believe who you are in Christ. You must remember and believe who you are in Christ. If you are a Christian, you are a son of God. 
If you are a Christian, you are a holy one. If you are a Christian, you are righteous in Jesus. If you are a Christian, you are united with Jesus. If you are a Christian, you are united with God's people in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you are adopted. If you are a Christian, you are sanctified. If you are a Christian, you are justified. If you are a Christian, you have been redeemed in Jesus Christ. This is your reality. And never let Satan take that reality away from you. Remember it. And believe it. Believe it. Sorry, I was getting preaching there. Second, you got to practice spiritual disciplines. Practice spiritual disciplines. You got to pray on a regular basis. I encourage you every day, set aside time to pray, set aside time to read the Bible. Not just a devotional, read the actual text of Scripture. Read the Bible, give not only of your money, but also of your time and your other resources. Serve other people, uh, practice fellowshipping with other people. These are all spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are not necessarily pleasant. From time to time I come to church and and, and I I see one of our church members who uh, runs uh, about every day, and I see him all dressed up, ready to run, and everything, warming up his legs and things like that, going out. And I'm thinking, man, better you than me. Better you than me. You know? And I wonder why people do that. Because most runners I talk to, they say, well, you know, when they start out, mo- most of them don't want to do it. It's only after they do it and keep doing it that they start to feel the benefit. And the benefit later is what keeps them going. That's the same is true with spiritual disciplines. There are days when I get up, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to worship God. But I try to do that and make time for it every day because, not because I always like doing it, sometimes I do like doing it, but because I see the benefit. So you got to practice these spiritual disciplines because they prepare you to get into the game and be victorious. Number three, predetermine your perseverance. Predetermine your perseverance. Let me explain this. Uh, About 35 years ago, just over 35 years ago, Karen and I got married. I said, I do. She said, she do. And we do together. Uh, And we made a commitment, we will not get a divorce. We predetermined our perseverance. I remember my mom, I I really honor my mom in this, because she didn't have a good marriage. Karen and I have a good marriage. She didn't have a good marriage. She was married over 55 years. My dad didn't even remember their 50th wedding anniversary. I love my dad too, by the way. Uh, but I asked her after my dad died, I said, Mom, you know, when, when my sister and I, when we were kids, we begged Mom to divorce my dad. I mean, how many kids do that? Uh, and she didn't. And I said, Mom, why didn't you do that? And she said, Rod, when I got married, I said before God, I do, till death do us part. That didn't change. She predetermined her perseverance. You need to predetermine 
that you are going to keep going no matter what. Well, I came to City Temple. I knew that it's going to be challenging here in London. And I predetermined my perseverance. I said, I'm not going to fantasize about moving. I'm not going to make plans to move. I am going to be here until the Lord tells me to leave. And so far, he hasn't told me to leave. Predetermine your perseverance. And you need to remind yourself of that every single day. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Number four, we need to forgive ruthlessly. Ruthless forgiveness. You know, there are days when I pray in the morning, Lord, I choose right now to forgive everyone who's going to hurt me today. You know what? I'm, I'm forgiving people so ruthlessly, I'm going to forgive them before they even know they need to be forgiven. Or even before I know they need to be forgiven. You must not allow any unforgiveness to rest in your life, even for a moment. It's so destructive. Forgive ruthlessly. Number five, you need to seek your personal growth and maturity in every situation. When somebody is annoying you, and I guarantee you, if you're a Christian for any length of time, somebody will annoy you. When somebody is annoying you, your first question is, God, what do I need to learn? How do I need to grow? How do you want me to change? Every situation you face, maybe you're having an obstacle at work and the people around you are are just causing you problems uh, or you're not getting the promotion that you really feel like you deserve. You need to say, God, how do you want me to grow? How can I mature in this situation? Seek your personal growth and maturity in every situation. Number six, connect yourself with others intentionally and persistently. Connect yourself with others intentionally and persistently. Let me tell you this, it is not anybody's responsibility to reach out to you. It is your responsibility to reach out to others. So often, Christians get deceived by the story of Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one sheep. Now, in in the first place, the one sheep was lost. And so if you're expecting somebody to be coming after you, you're saying, I'm lost, which actually, if you're saying, I'm lost, the sensible thing is to run to Jesus. Don't be a man. You know, men, I'm sorry. You know how, what we're like. We get lost. We know we're lost. You know, we might be with somebody in the car, maybe our wives, and, and, and our wives will say, well, go this way. No, 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 no. I, I know where I am. I know what I'm doing. I, I know where I'm going. But all the while you're lost. Okay, guys, don't be that way. Women, don't be that way. If you feel like you're lost, run to Jesus. Run to another Christian. It's your responsibility to reach out. And you need to connect yourself. How are you connecting yourself with other Christians? And you need to do that actively and persistently. You know, sometimes, you know what it's all like, we all get busy, right? Maybe there's somebody you've been wanting to hang out with, and 
and, and they're busy or you're busy and, and it's been hard to connect and, and you try two or three times and they say, well, okay, they don't care about me. I'm just going to go. And, don't be like that. Keep going. Be so persistent that either they do one of two things. One, preferably they say, hey, I am so sorry it's taken us so long to connect. I am so sorry. Uh, or two, they say, you know, you're ugly and I don't really want to spend time with you at all. And either way, you know where you stand, right? You know where you stand. So you got to connect yourself with others intentionally and persistently, particularly other Christians, intentionally and persistently or you'll lose the battle for your mind. And the last one, number seven, you need to exercise your faith. And the preeminent way to exercise your faith in the battle for your mind is to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Every thought that comes into your mind, you can choose whether it stays there or whether it has to go. Now, the thoughts, you can't always judge whether a thought will come in, but you can choose whether or not it, it hangs out. No, there's a fly that can come into my house, but I have a fly swatter uh, because I make a, a choice not to let any fly that I see take up residence in my house. In the same way, uh, in your mind, you have a fly swatter, and that's the Word of God, that's your faith, you take every thought captive in obedience to Christ and get rid of it. So in order to submit to God and resist the devil, you need to believe and remember who you are in Christ, practice the spiritual disciplines, predetermine your perseverance, forgive ruthlessly, seek your personal growth and maturity in every situation, connect yourself with others intentionally and persistently, and exercise your faith by taking every thought captive in obedience to Christ. These are things that I do all the time. These things are key to being able to submit to God and resist the devil firm in my faith every single day. And these things will work for you as well. And they will work for all of us because God doesn't leave us alone in the battle. This is the great news. He doesn't abandon us in the battle for our minds. Not only are we saved by grace, we live every day by grace. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. God has determined to preserve us, to enable us to persevere if we will keep going. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Holy Spirit provides us with spiritual gifts, wisdom, insight, everything we need for living a godly life and winning the battle for our mind. We have the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, into which God has placed us. And we are one in Christ. Jesus Christ is in us, and we are in Christ, individually and corporately. And above all these things, God has promised that as we persevere in this battle for our minds, that after, in the words of Peter, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
As you persevere in the battle for your mind, as you gain the little victories, God comes in with each victory and He restores you, He confirms you, He strengthens you, and establishes you. As you continue to walk in victory in the battle for your mind, the next day you win the victory, God comes in and He restores, He confirms, He strengthens, and establishes you. And this can be the pattern of your life for your whole life. But you have to engage with the intention of doing whatever it takes to win the battle for your mind, day by day. And you can do it. I don't want to lose more friends. I really am tired of losing Christian friends who lose the battle for their minds needlessly. Please determine now that you will not be one of them. Please choose now in Christ Jesus that you will be victorious because Jesus has made us victorious. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we worship you, we praise you. Lord, I do pray, I intercede for my friends that you would help all of us win the battles going on for our minds. Every single day, let us win. Every single skirmish, let us win. Give us the faith, the confidence of what you have already done in us because in Jesus Christ you have already given us the victory. Father, help us by your Spirit to walk in that victory. Help us by your, your Spirit to experience the full benefit of the cross of Jesus Christ in our lives. Help us by your Spirit, by your grace, to experience the full victory of Christ's resurrection bodily from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, that just like with Peter, you are always living to intercede for us. You are always praying for us that we might persevere, that we would be preserved, that we would be strengthened, and that even if we lose a battle, even if we lose a skirmish, that we would be restored from that and lifted back up and enabled to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us be a church that lives out this reality. Let us be a church of people who are winning the battles for their minds. Let us be a church of people who are living by your grace through faith that you've given us who know that they are sanctified, justified, redeemed, adopted, and will be glorified. We love you, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd enliven all these things into our hearts, that we might remember them, and that we might live them. 
for your glory and praise, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's join in worshiping with our last song. This is a great song that's singing about the reality that we've just talked about. It's been such an encouragement. And, and I encourage you as we sing the song today, if you're singing, um, uh, you know, or if you're just thinking the song today, which is fine, uh, however you're engaging with it, be, 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 be a little uh, militant as you do it. You know, the enemy can't take what I have. Or change who I am because I belong to Jesus. Let that be your reality today. Let's worship the Lord.